All right, we are continuing with Rethink. This is week three, and I want to get you up to speed. Uh, for those of you that haven't been a part of it, or you missed one of the weeks, and I hope that you're watching them online if you missed. But uh, our title of our series has been called Rethink, and I've been thinking about so much that I see it everywhere. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm seeing the word rethink. The other day, I went to eat some pretzels and take a look what was on the pretzel bag. Go ahead, take a look. Rethink your pretzel. I'm like, okay, the Lord's speaking to me. And then I saw in the trash when I was throwing the trash away that Becca had an advertisement sent to her, rethink the sweater. And I'm like, everything is rethink. I, I, how many are thinking rethink with me? You're thinking rethink? Yeah. It's all around us, rethink. And uh, I just want to quick give a quick review on this. Week one, we talked about that uh, good reaps good, bad reaps bad. That good thoughts will reap good things, bad thoughts will reap bad thoughts. We talked about the power of the mind, that it was so strong, and that God has a plan for us to have victory over our mind, okay? Week two, we talked about taking captive our thoughts, and I won't go into all of it, but I gave a six-step plan. Interestingly enough, this week on Twitter, uh, I recapped my six-step plan in 140 characters. How many know that took some work, okay? So I had 140 characters, and I came up with it. And by the way, you can follow me on Twitter if you want, Rob Ketterling. Just look it up. I do tweets about where we're at, what's going on, what I'm thinking, give little sermon reviews. But I did it in a six-step plan, and I said, um, no new bad thoughts, uh, question all old thoughts, tear down the wrong thoughts, evict the bad, feed the good, and challenge new thoughts, okay? So that was part of week two. Then I said, God does the hard part, and we do the easy part, okay? God does the hard part, and we do the easy part. And how many know that I should have said, God does the hard part, and we do the easier part, okay? Because some people were saying, it's not easy overcoming all the thoughts that I have. But let me just tell you something. God always does that. He does the hard part, and we do the easy part. He says, you build an ark... I'll send the rain. How many know what I'm talking about, right? If you look in the Bible, he says, you challenge the giant, I'll make sure the rock gets there, right? You have the people sit down in groups of 50, I'll multiply the bread and the fish. Okay, so we always do the easier part. He does the harder part. He does the supernatural. But we have a part in this. Let's not forget this. But we have a, a smaller part. But I got a, a great testimony from a friend of mine. And he said this, he said, you know, uh, he said, the stuff that I'm dealing with, the things that I'm dealing with, this, it's a lot of pain. It was a lot of work. And, and again, you said it was the easy part. Really, I think you should have said the easier part. And I love what he sent me in the email, and I got his permission. And uh, he said, regarding what you said, it does get easier. I see this in my life and with the companies I work with, and it's huge. It does get easier. I've been taught that it only takes a very small match between present situation and memory for it to be triggered. So if I have a bad memory of someone rejecting me, for example, many small things can trigger that memory. And left unchallenged, it gets reinforced. When I eliminate that, that I'm not good enough for others, that thought pattern, and start seeing myself through God's eyes, many things that would have triggered that bad memory and the resulting bad actions are unarmed. It's exponential. In other words, a few breakthroughs can go a long way. 
He said, in the early days of my salvation, I went to Al-Anon two to three times a week. I met with my sponsor three hours a week. Divorce care one night. Alpha or whatever class was running over and over again. I saw a Christian psychologist, went to worship, read a daily devotional. It was 12 to 20 hours a week of classroom worship support group time. That didn't include the daily Bible reading and prayer time that I now have. It was a big cocoon that I had to build, Pastor Rob. But it was my part, and God did the bigger part in renewing my mind. Okay, so for those that heard last week, you're like, okay, I do the easy part? Seriously, do you know the bad thoughts that I've had? I get it. We do the easier part. God still supernaturally works in our mind so we will think differently. Okay? And I talked about we basically build the cocoon. We build the cocoon, and God does the change that changes us from who we were to who we can become in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting, this friend also said, as you were talking about this, I actually drew a picture in my recovery of this, and he said, it almost was like your cocoon. So I want you to take a look at this. Take a look at this picture. Now you see in this picture, he's got this little bubble of protection around him, is what he called it. And then he said, I see my heavenly Father through the power of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus did on the cross bringing me the strength and as I take my eyes off the cross I get seasick but you know what I can look at the cross I can look at God and in this cocoon or bubble of protection God is changing me into the person I need to be kind of a cool picture isn't it and so we're tracking on the same mind whether it was a cocoon or a bubble of protection I love it and he said you know what I used to have this thought that God was standing over me with a clipboard he was judging me he was angry and all of a sudden, I saw God as giving me grace, as God loving me. And I had this new picture of God giving me everything I needed through the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross. He paid the price. And I thought, that's so cool. You need to grab hold of grace. You need to grab hold of grace as we renew our mind. All right, so I hope you're getting all this. And... Uh, Again, I'm just getting you caught up to speed. How many like the little crash course, all right? And uh, I talked about bringing our thoughts captive. I gave one example. I gave one example. Remember I talked about my cards that I get out my black paint and I write on it and I throw on it. And I had so much fun doing it last week, I wanted to do it this week too, all right? So I do that and I get that thought out of my mind. I paint over that thought and I get it out. But there's a couple other things I want to tell you and we'll pick up from here. This is new. In the book, Who Switched Off My Brain by Karen Leaf, Carolyn Leaf, she gives uh, what she would call a 21-day mind sweep. She gives a 21-day course for you to go on to actually go through and challenge all your thoughts and learn to take them captive. If that resonates with you, I want to encourage you to get that book. It's called Who Switched Off My Brain or Who Switched Off My Mind uh, by Carolyn Leaf. I believe Joyce Meyer has lots of resources on this topic. It seems to be a topic that God has given her favor on to speak on your thought life and what you're thinking. We also have prayer counseling here at River Valley Church where you can meet with prayer counselors that will actually be led by the power of the Holy Spirit to uncover those things that have been a blockage, those things that you think that are wrong thoughts and bring you healing. There's also additional counseling that is available uh, throughout the church and throughout the community, the Christian community. One person told me they use this way to bring their thoughts captive, and it's a, it's a concept called anchoring, okay? Track with me on this. 
they have a thing called anchor. And they said, whenever I'm challenged with a bad thought, they said, I'm wearing a cross around my neck. And I always just touch my cross. And I say, God, help me. This, let it remind me that your thoughts for me are good. Your thoughts for me are strong. I want to remember what you did. Now, there's no special power in that cross around their neck. But it's a, it's a technique called anchoring. Now, before you start to throw that out, can I just illustrate to you with something up here? God actually told his people to put little tassels on their clothing. Little tassels. And this would be a prayer shawl. Matter of fact, some of you ever heard going to the prayer closet? The prayer closet was when they would take the shawl around them and wrap it around them. That's their prayer closet. They'd black out the things of this world. He told his people to have little tassels on there. And in Numbers 15, verse 37, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by going after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. So God knows that we're human. God knows that we like object lessons. God knows that we need things to remember. And for his own people, he gave them. He gave them something to see, to feel, to remember. And just this last week, I was in Miami, and I got in the elevator with a Jewish man, and I could see these things sticking out from his clothes, and it made me think of it. It made me realize this. See, God gives us these things to remember. And so maybe you have something that you've anchored. Some of the guys have used the anchoring technique to help take captive the thoughts. You wear a wristband that talks about purity thoughts. You maybe wear a dog tag. And when you think those thoughts, you might look down at that and be reminded who you are in Jesus Christ. So if that helps you take captive of your thoughts, by all means use that. I believe that God does that. So why can't we go ahead and use that to have victory over our thought life? All right? So with all that, taking our thoughts captive, we move on to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, we can turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and I'll read it. It'll be on the screen for you. Let me read what it says. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, now I've got a lot to teach here and you need to track with me. This might be, again, one of those messages that you watch later this week. All right, after spending 11 chapters talking about deep theology... The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, he's been talking about in the first 11 chapters about this transformation that is happening, that who we are in Jesus Christ, that we're becoming new. And he's talking about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And he's talking about all this stuff that's going on. Some of you would know that because we're actually reading that in our devotional time right now. Okay, so you're, you're in this deep theology and you're reading this. Well, as he gets to chapter 12, which he didn't have chapters in his time, he's just writing, okay? But as we have this marker in chapter 12, there's the word therefore. Therefore points back to all these great things about the grace that got you in on this. 
And he said, because of the grace of God, therefore, because who you are in Christ, therefore, because of this amazing saving power of God, present your bodies to God, present yourself to him. And he says, two things that we need to do. Don't conform anymore to this world and renew your mind. You're going to be transformed as you renew your mind. Now, I want to say this real quick so you don't miss this. It's, again, it deals with grace. The therefore before we work on renewing our mind is all the good things of the grace of God, all the good things of the forgiveness of God. And if you don't understand that you're forgiven, the devil will beat you up over and over and over again with this one. You will try to renew your mind and you'll try to say, I want to think what God thinks. And the devil says, oh, but you're not good enough. You couldn't be forgiven. That prayer you prayed at River Valley, that was not good enough. I don't think you really meant it when you raised your hand. You didn't pray loud enough. Matter of fact, you didn't grab the now what book. You're not good enough. You can't renew your mind. Some of you have heard those thoughts. And even if you did all those things, you're thinking, okay, I'm new in Christ. I've got the book. I said the prayer. I did the thing. I'm feeling this. The devil will say, it wasn't good enough for you. God forgives everybody but you. Okay? You have got to learn that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he forgave you. You're new in him. You're going to get rid of the old things that are lingering around. But you are new in Christ. And God says you're forgiven. Okay? That's where that renewal starts. It has to start right there. You receive grace and you are forgiven. So then we go and we work on two things. We don't conform anymore to the pattern of this world. What does that mean? Because here's what I think the world is. The world is a society or system that's built in order to enjoy life without God. That's the pattern of this world. It's a society of system that is built to try to love life without having God in it. And so the world tries so hard. He says, let's not be conforming anymore to the pattern of this world, which says, eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow you're going to die. It says, go after it, chase after it, get anything you can. Who cares? It says, live it up, go for the money, go for all this. It has all these other things that it chases after, and it tries to make things happy without God. And he says, now that you're in Christ, you're no longer going to be conforming to that old system. But how many know the world wants you to conform the world doesn't like it when you don't conform if you don't think that's true ask Tim Tebow come on the guy just plays quarterback and he's pretty good but because he takes a knee and stands up for Jesus Christ everybody's angry at him who cares he's a quarterback it's interesting everybody's angry at, at Tebow did I say Tom Tebow or Tim Tebow did I say it wrong Tim, okay, all right, I'm just thinking to myself, anyways, capture that thought, all right, back on track, all right. <laughs> the world doesn't care that Tom Brady has a child with one lady, is dating a supermodel, isn't married to her, builds a big old mansion, costing a gazillion dollars, and that they're going to move in together unwed with a baby from somebody, they don't even care about that, oh, Tom Brady, you're amazing, but if you stand up for Christ, they hate the way you throw, they hate the way you talk, they hate the way you live, they hate your commercial, they hate your eye tags, you see what I'm saying? As long as you're conforming to their image, they're okay, but if you don't conform, they're mad at you, and the writer of Romans, Paul, he says, don't conform anymore to these areas. Don't conform to the thinking of this world. And the thinking of this world is really broken down into four areas that Pastor Chuck Swindoll brilliantly said. He said, fortune and money, uh, fame, power, and pleasure. 
The world says chase after money. It's all about money. And what does God say? You can't love God and mammon. God says give and it shall be given to you. And you're thinking, no, 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 because the world says get. The world says grab. And God says, no, 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 give and it shall be given to you. God says, I'll be over your finances. You can step out in faith and trust me. And the world says, no, you can't. You better keep it for yourself because after, you, after all, you need to have this, 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 and this to keep up with the Joneses. The world says, you need to be famous. You need to be famous. And God says, you must decrease so I can increase. It's like a paradox going on. Do you understand? He's saying, don't be conformed to this old way. Uh, the world says, you've got to have power. You've got to step on people. You've got to climb on them. You've got to knock them down. And God says, you know, whoever's going to be greatest needs to be servant of all. Okay? So he's saying, we're not going to conform over there. But how many know our whole life has been thinking this way? And now God's telling us to think this way. It's a shocker to the system. It's a shocker. The world says, go for the pleasure. Go after all the sensual things you can do. And God says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He said, don't chase after those things. He said, be pure. So we're living in this paradox. Remember the conflict thing in the mind and your spirit's saying, I want to follow the things of God. And your flesh is saying, I want to chase after the things of the world. And in your mind, there's that battle going on. And he says, we've got to renew your thinking if we're going to make it here together, guys. We're going to have to renew your thinking. And he says, I don't want you to be a chameleon about this. I want you to think and challenge your thoughts. I want you to think differently than what the world thinks. You're going to renew your mind. Because every sin we do comes from a thought we have. And here's the base thought at a lot of our sins. I know God says this, but I think this is better. I know God says I should do this, but I want to do this, and my will be done, not thy will be done. And at the base of this sin, God's saying, if you'll do this, I'll give you abundant life. If you'll do this, you'll have joy. If you do this, you'll have peace. And in the moment of crisis, we have wrong thinking, and the old thinking sucks us back in. And we're like, but I, I'm going to do that. And we chase after the things of the world. He says, don't be conformed anymore. We need to be renewed. We need to be renewed, and we need to be renewed from the inside out in our mind. How many know if you go to church, we say, okay, change your clothes, cut your hair, do the stuff, stop that, don't do that. How many know you may be with short hair on the, in, on the outside, but on the inside, you're like, my hair is way down to here, you know? You may tell me to sit down, but I'm standing on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? So that's why it's got to come from the inside. That's why we have to have patience with people that the Holy Spirit will be the Holy Spirit. The first thing we want to do when somebody finds Christ, when they're transformed by the power of grace and power of God, we just want to tell them, that, here's the rules, here's the thing, here's the thing. Let's trust the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit to them, okay? And let's disciple them to hear the voice of God, to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and so that they can learn how God wants them to grow and how to walk. Now, when you are renewing your mind, you're wondering, like, how in the world am I how do I know if this, any of this is happening, okay? How do I know if my mind is thinking differently? Let me give you a couple things. First of all, you'll have a growing realization of God's holiness. Before, you never even thought about God being holy. And as your mind gets renewed, you start thinking about you're holy. You don't like these sins. You don't, these, these things bother you. You don't do that. And you start to have an awareness of His holiness. That means your mind is being renewed. You have a deepening sense of your sinfulness. You realize how sinful you really are. And in that, you start thanking God for grace. How many know the longer you walk with God, the more you thank Him for grace? And it's not because you keep sinning more and more, but because the longer you walk with Him and the more you understand Him, the more you realize you weren't in without grace. 
and you see how amazing God is and you learn more about him and you see how bad you really are and you thank God for grace, that's the power of a renewed mind. You know what happens as well? You start repenting more often. People around you are like, I don't even repent about that. Why are you repenting? That's not a biggie. And you're like, because I feel bad about it. Because God's renewing my mind and I'm thinking differently than I used to think about that. That's what happens. And all of a sudden, here's another sign of a renewed mind. Other people around you start to notice it. How many know that? They're like, hey, you don't swear like you used to swear. Hey, you, you walked away with the dirty joke. Hey, wait a minute. You actually got here early and stayed late and didn't cheat on your time card. Hey, you see what I'm saying? They start to notice and those things, it wasn't like you said, oh, I'm going to do all these little, little, I'm going to do all the outside. When it's coming from the inside out, you don't even notice it really. And all the, those people around you, they start noticing it. And they see what God is doing in renewing your mind. And all of a sudden, you're thinking in ways that you never thought possible before. You're like, I can't believe it. I'm going to church. I can't believe it. I joined a life group. I can't believe it. I'm actually giving money to the church. And I'm happy about it. It's crazy. <laughs> That's how, that's how a bouncer could turn into an usher. That's how somebody that was, yeah, come on. That's what happens. That's how, that's how a thief can become a life group leader. That's how an immoral woman can be a Sunday school teacher. That's how a hedge fund manager can become a kingdom builder. It happens. It just goes and takes place, okay? That's what happens, okay? Now, the Spirit of God tells you to do something. This is very key. Listen to this. When God tells you to do something and he's renewing your mind, you better do it. Because here's what happens. When you don't obey God and you start hearing what the Spirit of God is telling you to do to renew your mind, and you don't do it, you stall. And when you stall, you will get locked into a form of religion and godliness without the power. You will start just coming to church to check the box instead of coming to church to grow in Christ. Does that make sense? When God speaks to you to do something, you need to listen. Some of you don't, you wonder why you don't know what his will is and you're struggling and you're, you, don't, you don't have it figured out because you're not obeying what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. You're not renewing your mind. And if you look at the end of that verse, it says, then you'll know his will, his perfect pleasing will. Some of you are stalled, and when you're stalled, you just take on a form of religion, a form of power, but you don't have it. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, obey it. Now, we are going to renew our mind. I want to give you some help on this. In order to renew our mind, we're going to have to start thinking like Jesus and getting his mind into us. So our thought is, how can we start thinking like Jesus? There's two scriptures I want to quick read for you. Ephesians 4.24. It says, we're to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're to put on this new self, put on this new thinking. Second one's Romans 13.14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to put his thinking into our mind. Now, I want to tell you something. There's difference here. Imitation says... I'm not like him, but I want to be like him, so I'm just going to start acting like him. That's not what these verses say. These verses say, because the Spirit of God is in you, because the Spirit of Jesus Christ, because the Spirit of God is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can start activating that mind that is in you. It's different. Does that make sense? 
I know that might be a little deep for some people, but instead of saying, well, I want to be like Jesus. I want to think, I got to try to act like him. How did he act? Instead, you're saying, God, because I've given my life to you, the spirit of God is now in me, and I want to put this on. I want to start activating the way you think. Holy Spirit, start helping me to think like Jesus. I want to think because, Jesus, you're in me. I've given my life to you. I want to think. I'm putting this on in my mind. It's very different from imitation. It's very different. We're asking the Holy Spirit to do what he can do inside of us from the inside out. Now, this is hard. Because the old thoughts are there. And how many know, again, the battle is in the mind. Battle is in the mind. It's right there and we're fighting. And it's hard because these old thought patterns are deep in there. And we've got to get them out. This was so illustrated to me when I was counseling with somebody. I counseled with a young lady. And I had another lady that was present there helping me in the counseling moment. And I said, hey, you need to work on this. We need you to take care of this. And this is something we really need you to do as we move forward in the church. And so I was like, are we good? And, and the person said, yep. And I could tell from their body language they were not living a yup, you know, but they said yup. And the, the woman that was with me, she just so wisely said, what did you hear? And the person I was talking to said, like, you said I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. I can never fix it. And I have to leave the church. And I was like, I didn't say that. I didn't say any of that. And they're like, that's what you said. That's what I heard you say. And I was like, whoa, whoa time out. Like, and I'm going to look at the two of them. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Because there's thoughts that were in there, old patterns that were in there, thoughts of I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. And any form of talking to this person was being run through a filter of an old thinking. And I was shocked by this. And I realized that those old ways are there and they're deep in there. And we've got to get them out. So we're going to have to renew them when we're going to take them captive and we're going to renew our mind and get the old out and the new in. Are you tracking with me? We're tracking. I hope we're tracking at all the campuses. I hope this is coming through. You're tracking. They're tracking with me here. I hope you're tracking, all right? I'm going to just keep going with this, though. We're going to get the old out and the new in. Now, here's something that happens. You may have heard your father say you're a failure. And that has defined you for your life. You may have heard a boss yell at you and say you'll never amount to anything. You may have had an ex leave you and say you were the devil. And that thought bothers you. And it defines and it eats at you. And you always run things through those filters. Those things happened. Those things that they said were real, but they're not the truth. Does that make sense? Your father may have said, you're a failure. That really happened, but that's not the truth. You are not a failure. Somebody may have said, you will never amount to anything. That really happened, but that's not the truth. And what's happened is you've allowed a real thing that happened in the past to define who you are. You've allowed that real thing of the past to become the truth in your life. I don't negate what happened to you in those trying situations. I don't negate what happened to you in that thing that has so bothered you. I don't negate that when your friends turned on you and did that to you and embarrassed you, I don't negate that was real, but that is not the truth. The truth is what God says about you. But here's the problem. In our mind, we allow those people to define who we are in Christ, and we cannot allow that. We, cannot, we have to let God define who we are in Christ. 
If you don't, you're allowing an alcoholic father to define who you are, and that is not who you are in Christ. If you don't, you're allowing a friend that backstab you to define who you are, and that is not who you are in Christ. And you're allowing them to take authority over Jesus, and that's not right. Jesus is in authority, and what he says about you is true. What he says about you is your new identity. Your new thoughts are in Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. And you've got to realize that even those, those events were real. They happened. They are not the truth about you. The truth about you is who you are in Jesus Christ. And we read that in week one. And if you need to review that, you can go back. At the end of that sermon, we talked about who you are in Christ. That's the truth. So to get renewed, we have got to just decide what God says about me will be the highest place. What God says about me will be the highest place. It doesn't matter what happened back here. They may, that may have been a real event, but it will not define me. It is not the truth about me. The truth about me is what God says. And moving forward, what God says about me will define me, period. That's what I'm going to do. And that's something we're going to need to do. Now, in order to do this, some of us are going to have to uh, go for counseling and say, I need to work through these thoughts. Some of us are going to have to do that mind sweep that we talked about, who switched off my mind. Uh, we're going to have to do different things. But another thing we can do is we can bring those thoughts to Jesus Christ on our own. You can hear that voice. You are a failure. And you can say, Jesus, I bring to you the voice of my father. My father said I was a failure. Jesus, what do you have to say about that? And you can listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. And I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will say something life-giving to you. He will say, that is not what defines you. That is not. Your father had some things going on, but that is not what defines you. I have my word for you. That defines you. I believe the Holy Spirit will do that for you. I believe the Holy Spirit will start to speak the life-giving, affirming things you need to hear and say, that will not define you. And I just feel led to say this. Here's what's going to happen for a lot of you, and please don't back off from doing this. But when you bring those people to God, he's going to ask you to forgive them. He's going to say, I have a new thought for you. You're going to get the new thought. And then he's going to say, how about we forgive that person? Oh. You say, this is not the easier part, Lord. And he says, yes. Remember on the cross, I said, forgive them for they know not what they do. We can't let those old thoughts define us. We can't let those people be higher than the Lord. We've got to bring them to him. And we're going to need the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ and wonderful counselors and great books and great things. We're going to use the word of God to saturate our mind with the good godly things that he has. And that's why we read his word. Let me give you one last thought, key breakthrough. You have to believe that God loves you and that he's kind, and that he cares for you, and that he wants to be your heavenly father. You say, but I did this, 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 and this. And I can get that he would forgive me because I asked, but I can't get that he would love me. That's one of the lies the devil used to keep, he uses to keep you trapped. And you've got to get this. God is a loving heavenly father. Doesn't matter what your picture of a father is on here on earth. God is a loving heavenly father and he desires to bless you. He desires to renew your mind. He desires to fill in those gaps. You say, I didn't have a father. He will be a father to the fatherless. You say, but I had abuse. He says, I'll bring healing. 
And I guarantee you, it'll be worth it. Whatever changes he does will be worth it. He will renew your mind. But you've got to grab this. He loves you. He cares for you. He's a loving, heavenly father. Don't let the enemy hold you hostage to those other voices because the voice that loves you the most wants to set you free. And he loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. Grab hold of this. He is your loving, heavenly father. So let's pray here and at every campus. Lord, I pray right now that we'd grab hold of this. There was so much there, but I know by the power of the Holy Spirit, you spoke to people. You spoke to people. They desire to break free from the conformity of this world. They long to be transformed from the inside out. They long to be free from duty and they want to love you. They want to be driven to do the things for you because it delights your heart. They want to renew their mind. And I pray, God, that forgiveness wouldn't keep them from renewing their mind. The painful thought of having to forgive someone would not allow that person to control them, but they would have the strength to overcome that. So I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. We desire for you to renew our minds so we can think on the things that you have for us. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.